had a great week. It is always exciting to begin our service with baptism. Uh, we have Jude Velez that's going to come in just a moment, uh, and he is uh, going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, it is a day that, that you have given us, and Lord, we want to rejoice and be glad in it. You are the sovereign ruler of the universe. You are in the heavens and you do all that, that pleases you. And, and so, God, we want to be quick to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for that this morning. And Lord, I know that through Jude's testimony, through his following you and baptism this morning, Father, that you are glorified in that. And we pray that you will be glorified in everything else that we do. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. All right, brother, if you'll come down. So this is Jude. He and his family have been worshiping with us for, man, probably close to a year now. Cause, yeah, because back before COVID hit, he and I went to Starbucks and had a chance to talk, and I got to hear his story, and I'm going to share just that, a little bit of that story with you. Uh, is your family here today? I see Samuel over there. If, you'll, if you guys will stand just so we can see his wife, Faye, and then Samuel's up here. And so uh, just so thankful for you all. So Jude grew up in the Philippines, and he was telling me when he was about three or four years old, he was baptized. Uh, and then he grew up in an Arminian uh, background and understanding where you're constantly wondering, am I saved? Am I not saved? Can I lose my salvation and so he was wrestling with that and thinking through that. And about a year and a half ago, man, he saw for the first time the grace of God. And so about a year and a half ago, he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is his confession. That is his testimony. And so this morning, he comes to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in believer's baptism. And so Jude, if you'll turn this way, let me just ask you, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and Lord and Savior of your life? Amen, amen. Now, based upon that confession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother Jude, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen, brother. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's pray, and while we're praying, the praise team will come. Father, our confession this morning is the same confession that Jude just declared, that you are the Christ, the Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. And as we begin a series that will take us uh, through the next couple weeks about the name above all names, oh God, today we see that Jesus is the Savior of sinners. And if anyone here this morning has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, then my prayers today that they would, for the first time in their life, see what Jude saw a year and a half ago, that they would see that they were a sinner in need of a Savior, that they would see your grace and your mercy, and that they would forever be transformed through confessing the name of Jesus. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you please stand with us?
praise God. Is it not awesome to see two of our students up here this morning helping lead worship? That was fantastic. Of course, Luke Johnson's up here every week, does an amazing job playing, so thankful for his faithfulness. Isabella, that's what I call it. Was that your first time up here? That is awesome. That is awesome. Awesome. So thank you, Luke and Isabella. Or Isabella is what her actual name is. But well, good, good morning. Welcome to uh, Northside Baptist Church. Man, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Man, a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to have another baptism. We're going to get to baptize siblings. Uh, Lily and CJ Jordan both have made a profession of faith in Jesus. And so they're going to be baptized in a couple weeks, which is really cool to get to baptize siblings because I was baptized the same day that my brother was baptized. I got to go first, and then he was after me. And I still, I still remember that. So uh, exciting. You want to be here in two weeks uh, for that. Well, if this is your first time with us this morning, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We are thrilled to have you with us. You are our guest, and we're honored uh, to be able to help you and serve you in any way that we can. Inside the bulletin is a place to fill out some information. There's a box out there in the foyer. If you could take a moment uh, at the end of the service and just drop it off in there, we would greatly appreciate it. There's a lot of announcements I want to I want you to pay attention to. I'll point out a couple of those uh, at the end of the service. But for a few minutes this morning, we want to take our attention and we want to focus it on our Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering. Hopefully you had a chance to take one of these prayer guides home with you last week and pray through it. If you were not here and you didn't pick one up, we have some available out there in the foyer. You just get to learn a little bit about some of our missionaries that we support through the cooperative program, through our Lottie Moon Christmas dollars, and we get to see uh, how the Lord is, is working. And so I want to encourage you to give. We have a couple different ways that you can give 
you can give through, we have the cards out there. You can, uh, instead of sending post, paying postage, just send cards, you can save that money and, and give it towards the Christmas offering. We have our manger up here that our kids at any point during the service while we're singing, while the choir singing, can come drop off some money in the manger. And of course, there are envelopes uh, out there in the foyer as well that are for you to use if you're going to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our goal is $7,000. To date, we've only given 46, but that's okay because we started out really slow last week and, or last year and all of a sudden uh, it exploded. So I, I know that we'll be able to, to meet that goal. We have a video this morning that I want to show you before we do our, uh, our advent. Uh, the video is about an unreached people group from South Asia and how some of our missionaries are taking the gospel to them. When you have been told from the time that you're born that Jesus is not God, the Bible's corrupted, and to follow Jesus is to commit blasphemy and you're gonna be turned away from your family, that's a whole nother task. And so we're going to the tip of the spear because we're getting to people that have only heard lies of Jesus. They've heard his name, but they've been told lies about him and to reject and to not listen. What we do, it's very hard. It takes a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice on a lot of areas. But when you see someone get it, when you see them come from darkness to light, and they literally know that their life is forever changed, and no matter what persecution or whatever happens, that they're with Christ, that they're His for eternity, that's worth it. God sees the bigger picture, or maybe Someone in our work sees one or two Muslims come to Christ after three or four years. But God takes those two or three and snowballs. We've seen Muslims hear the gospel and, and be baptized and follow and be strong lights. Christ says to pray for the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Then Jesus tells them, now go. I think don't people, they kind of stop it. We're going to pray for the workers. But then Jesus says, yeah, you're going to pray for workers, but go. Revelation is guaranteeing us as well as saying, hey, all people will have representatives before the throne. We want to see Southern Baptists love Jesus, love his word, and give sacrificially to Lottie Moon Christmas offering so that the gospel can go to the ends of the earth and even specifically to the large Muslim groups like I work with. Well, amen. I like that guy. He, he talked like he might be from South Georgia too, his accent. Um, last week, as we lit our candle of, uh, of hope, I asked you to recall various ideas from 2020, but ultimately we said that hope would be found uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And this week, we look to peace, and so the question, what about peace? Does the world offer peace? Have you seen peace on the TV lately or on your computer screen or your cell phone? 
For those on social media, does your timeline look very peaceful? Well, I believe that we don't see peace, at least in part, because we equate peace with tranquility. And if that's the case, then the thought naturally flows that we will see peace if we can just stop bickering, fighting, and backstabbing. Or maybe if we can help people see the content of one's character more than the color of their skin. If we can lay aside our differences and come together for the common good. If we can overturn Roe v. Wade, give everyone affordable health care, eradicate COVID-19, eliminate human trafficking, pack the Supreme Court, maintain the Senate, feed the hungry, put a chicken in every pot, get the Braves to the World Series, and never again substitute raisins for chocolate chips. <clears throat> but let me just share a couple of thoughts here. First of all, many of these suggestions I just mentioned are very good and honorable, but none of them are the route to peace. Listen to the Apostle Paul for a moment. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, that is Jesus, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, and listen, having made peace through the blood of his cross. You see, peace isn't found in the absence of conflict, but rather, actually, it's found through the execution of the sinless Lamb of God. This Christmas season, with everything that's crazy in our world, will you find peace? Look to Jesus. And then this, with whom will you share the message of peace? I pray that we join with all of the missionaries around the world as we are missionaries here in Coweta County and wherever else we may find ourselves and share the message of peace. I'm reminded of a hymn, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, and the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Father, I just, uh, as we come to you this morning, so much of the world is looking for peace. And Father, as Christians, those who have placed our lives in your hands and we've claimed the name of Jesus, we know the answer to that, that peace is found through the cross. And so, Father, may we go forward and carry the message of peace wherever we may go. I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let's all stand together as we continue singing.
earth today. Let's stand together as we continue singing. All right, we're done right there. We're done right there. <laughs> All right, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to start a series that's going to last us three weeks. What we're going to do is, I'm just going to focus on verse 21 of our text this morning, and the next week we're going to come back and look at, at the complete text. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. This is what the word of the Lord says. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You may be seated. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, a verse we're very familiar with, says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. We all have names. Those names identify us. Those names set us apart. Sometimes those names have specific meaning, right? Matthew means a gift of God. I'll let you figure out if I'm really a gift of God or not. Uh, Aaron means a mountain of strength. And I'm sure when you look at me, that's exactly what you think, right? <laughs> he is a mountain of strength. What if we didn't have names? What if we couldn't say, hey, Frank, or hey, Jane, instead we said, hey, short, bald guy with a Kentucky shirt on? The Kentucky shirt's good. Being short and bald, maybe that offends you, I don't know, right? But thankfully we have names. You have a first name. Let me talk about my youngest son uh, for a moment. His name is Malachi. 
Malachi, a biblical name, that's the name that we gave him at his adoption, right? He became Malachi. Uh, you also probably, most of you have a middle name. Malachi's middle name is Nahum. That's the name that his biological mom gave him. So we kept it, Malachi Nahum. You have a last name, and that last name right, identifies that you belong to a family. So on the day of adoption, Malachi took a new last name, Hornsby. Many of you have a nickname. Some of you might share that nickname. Some of you rather would keep that private. Malachi's nickname is Kai. Malachi, so we call him Kai, but we spell it K-Y. Anybody have any idea why we do that? Because Kentucky is a huge part, not of his life, but of ours. And we're huge Kentucky fans, so we just spell it K-Y. Right? He has a nickname. God also has a name. Many of them, in fact. Elohim, Jehovah, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. We could go on and on and on talking about his names. The psalmist says we are to magnify his name. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. God has many names. The Son of God also has a name. So over the next three weeks, I just want to zero in and look at a few of his names. Beginning here in verse 18, let me read these verses for you, but again, we'll study them in greater detail next week. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus is his name. Christ is not his last name, but rather that is his title. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And if you drop down to the last part of verse 25, it says, and he called his name Jesus. Mary and Joseph are given instructions. Name this child Jesus. And according to verse 25, they follow those instructions. This child that is born on this day is named Jesus. Kevin DeYoung writes, Granted, this name Jesus had special meaning, but it was not an unusual name. It's not like he is the only person in history to be called Jesus. The first century Jewish historian Josephus mentions at least 12 different people he knew with the name Jesus, including four high priests. So the name Jesus was actually a common name. It's the Hebrew form of Joshua or Yeshua, the basic meaning of which is Jehovah or Yahweh will save. Jehovah, Yahweh will save. I like what John MacArthur writes. He says, all other men who had those names, Joshua or Jesus, testified by their names to the Lord's salvation. But this child, this one, would be born to Mary, not only would he testify of God's salvation, but he would himself be that salvation. 
By his own work, he would save his people from their sins. Jesus means the Lord saves. And this is exactly what the scriptures tell us Jesus will do, right? She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The scriptures are clear. You and I need a savior. We needed someone to come save us, to come rescue us from our sin. God had a rescue plan. And that plan we see in his word. So what I want to do for just a few minutes this morning is I want us to to go back to the Old Testament. I want us to see some of the promises of God, some of these messianic promises as the people would have lived in anticipation of the Messiah. I want to see some promises. Then I want to see how God, through the Old Testament, was going to fulfill this plan. Then we'll come back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and then we'll close out with some application. So the promises of God. There's going to be uh, four that are going to appear on the screen here. Genesis 3.15. Genesis 12, 3, Isaiah 9, 7, Micah 5, 2. These are just a few examples, and each verse will appear on the screen. So let's take Genesis 3, 15. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Adam and Eve, created by God to know him, to worship him, but Adam and Eve choose to sin against God. They believe that they would make better gods. They buy into the lie of Satan, which is right, can you really trust God? Did God really say? And they, didn't, they weren't convinced that they could, so they rebel against God. God responds to their disobedience by sending a curse upon man. But he also pronounces judgment on the serpent. And we see this in Genesis 3, 15. So here's the first messianic prophecy. God declares and curses the serpent and then declares that the head of the serpent will be crushed by a man born of woman, right? I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. So there will be a seed of woman. God is saying, I'm going to fix this mess. And so in the gospel of Matthew, God delivers that seed through a virgin named Mary and that seed is called Jesus. Jesus. We continue. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. This is God making a covenant with Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Right? We know that God is promising to bless the nation of Israel, that, he, that Abraham will have as, as many descendants as the stars. But God also makes a promise here that he will bless the nations through Abraham through Israel. This is amazing to me that God has a plan and that plan includes working on behalf of those in rebellion to save some. God is going to use a man by the name of Abraham and through that his descendants and ultimately leading to Jesus to save us from our sins. We go to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David, so we know from the line of David, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. In 2020, we talk a lot about oppression. We talk a lot about injustice. God's plan was that he would raise up someone from the line of David 
that king will be Jesus, and Jesus, King Jesus, will come and he will eradicate oppression. He will remove shame. He will eradicate injustice. And the scripture says he will uphold justice and he will uphold righteousness. This is what God is going to do through Jesus. And then one more, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. So we know that this messianic king is going to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. We see as we look back upon these messianic prophecies that God is going to send forth someone who will rule forever and ever and ever, and his rule will be one of peace, as he is the prince of peace. Now, these are just a few of the promises of God that we see in the Old Testament pointing forward, forward to a Messiah that they were living in anticipation of. Now, how will God do this? How will God do this? Again, just some scripture. Uh, Isaiah 7, 14 through 15, Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah 53, Matthew 1, 21, Galatians 4, 4 through 5. And I'm going to go through these quickly. I'm not going to go into great detail on any of them, but I just want you to see how God has a plan that ultimately culminates in Jesus. So Isaiah 7, 14 and 15, you know this verse, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God is going to give a sign. What is that sign? Well, that sign is that a virgin will bear a sign, right? The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That's the sign. Now, look, I think you agree with me that all life is precious, that all life is miraculous. When I think of Landon, right, in, in his birth, it's a miracle that there were two of us, Ryan and myself, and then suddenly there became a third. I believe that is miraculous, yes. But is there also a biological explanation for that? Yes. But when it comes to this woman that Isaiah is talking about, there's not a biological explanation. She's going to be a virgin, having never known a man. And Isaiah says the woman who conceives and gives birth to Emmanuel will not have been with man. That's the sign. And we know from the New Testament that that sign is pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that God had foretold of in Isaiah. The one who is to crush the serpent, the one who will bless the families, the one who will eradicate oppression and injustice, the one who will be king of kings and rule forever and ever is Jesus who was born of a woman. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. We know this verse, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called. Here's some of his names. Right? He's wonderful counselor. He's mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now we could spend hours unpacking these names and what they mean, but I want you to notice one. He is mighty God. Church, God's plan to rescue us from sin is a divine invasion. God is coming. The mighty God is coming himself to save and rescue and fix the disaster that we have made. And he comes in Jesus. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds or by his wounds we are healed. 
Verse 6, it's not on the screen, but verse 6 goes on to say, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God's divine rescue plan is that he would come and he would take on flesh and he would bear our iniquities. David Platt, in his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, writes, Jesus came to a sin-stained world to endure the penalty of sin and to stand in the place of sinners. He came to rescue us from our son, from our sin. That is his name, Jesus. He will save us from our sins. Right, that brings us to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. For he, this child, this Jesus, will save his people from their sins. Not only will he save us from our sins, but we also know from the New Testament, he will account us as righteous. His righteousness as the perfect son of God will be imputed to us. One more verse, and I want to camp out on this verse for a few minutes this morning. It's Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Right, the verse is going to stay on the screen for a couple minutes. Right, Not only has Jesus come to save us from our sins, but he has also come to make us right with God the Father. He brings us into his family. Right, through his death, his burial, his resurrection, we are adopted into the family of God as sons. So who is this Savior? Who is the one who is going to rescue us? His name is Jesus. And I want you to see for a moment, there is no one else like this Jesus. Look what Paul writes here in Galatians 4, 4 through 5. This is interesting. But when the fullness of time had come, watch his language, God sent forth his son. God sent forth who? His son. This is speaking to the divine nature of Jesus. This is speaking to the pre-existence of Jesus Christ, that he is fully divine. He has always existed with the Father in glory, and at the appointed time, God sends forth this son. But look what else it says, born of woman. This reference speaks to Jesus' humanity. He is fully human. So which is it? Sent by God or born of woman? Yes. Which is it? Fully God or fully man? Yes. He is both. It is a mystery of mysteries. One Jesus, yet he is fully God and he is fully man. And I think this is why so many people in the first century just could not figure out this Jesus. Because he was claiming... To be fully God and yet fully man. And that was hard for them to understand, right? They couldn't really grasp it. It's even hard for us sometimes to understand that this Jesus that we worship, this Jesus born unto Mary, was actually sent forth by God, fully God, fully man. I heard one pastor explain it this way, and I thought it was really helpful. He said they would ask Jesus questions like, how old are you? And Jesus could respond, well, on my mother's side, I'm 12. But on my father's side, I'm eternal. He said, on my mother's side, I get hungry. But on my father's side, I could feed a multitude with a catfish sandwich. On my mother's side, I get thirsty. But on my father's side, I'm living water. 
On my mother's side, I get tired and I sleep in a boat. But on my father's side, I can stand up in that same boat and command the waves be still. On my mother's side, I have no place to lay my head. But on my father's side, I own the earth and the fullness thereof. On my mother's side, I wept at Lazarus' tomb. But on my father's side, I raised that same man from the dead. On my mother's side, I was wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. But on my father's side, I'm wrapped in glory, majesty, splendor, and I sit on a throne. On my mother's side, I was pierced, beaten, and crucified on a cross. But on my father's side, on the third day, I rose from the dead, vacating that grave. Church, there is no one else like Jesus. There never has been and there never will be. He's, one, he's not one of many options. He is unique. He is the only one who fits into the God-man category. The only one who can say, fully God, yet fully man. He's in a class all by himself. And this is the very reason that you and I sing about him. It's why we proclaim his name and not the name of anyone else. It's because no one else is like Jesus, the one who would defeat Satan, the one who would bless the families, the one who would eradicate injustice, rule and peace, bear our iniquities, save us from sin and hell and death, account us as righteous, and write our relationship with God is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And it will save us from our sins. So two points of application. Number one, this Christmas, you need to look back. And you need to see who Jesus is. And you need to see what he has done. You need to see Jesus. Listen, you cannot crush the devil. You cannot. But Jesus has. He has defeated Satan. You can't bless the families. You may say, look, man, I struggle to be a blessing to my own family. Look, I'm struggling to tell my family about Jesus. I can't even make my own family give their heart to Jesus Christ. You can't bless the families. But Jesus Christ is the very one who blesses the families through him. You can't wipe out injustice. You can't bring peace. Now listen, you can be a voice that's proclaiming in the darkness and you can stand for justice and you can stand for peace, but at the end of the day, you cannot fix the injustice problems of the world. But Jesus Christ can if we would just turn and look to him. We can't atone for sins. We can't earn forgiveness. We can't achieve salvation. You can't, but Jesus can. And he did, and he will. And so this Christmas, take your eyes and focus them on Jesus, the very one who would save you from your sins. And listen, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I can't think of a better time than now to give your life to Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Would you confess your sinfulness, repent of your sins, and take hold of the name of Jesus? So we need to look back. But church, we also, secondly, need to look forward. 
And we need to live in anticipation of the second coming of Christ. You and I, as we think about Jesus, we're on this side of of the cross. Those in the Old Testament were on the other side of the Messiah, of his coming. They were living in anticipation of the Messiah's first coming. He's come. So when we, when we celebrate Christmas and we think about Advent and we we're thinking and, and anticipating and waiting Christmas Day, we're not waiting Jesus coming for the first time. He's already come. We're just remembering that and trying to prepare our hearts and, and recognizing what Christmas is all about for us. But for us, what we do live in anticipation of is his second coming. Well, here's my question for you. Is your expectation and your anticipation set on the return of Christ? If you are focused upon the return of Christ, then I do not believe you're going to waste your life. You're only going to waste your life right, if you focus on the things of this world. That's how you waste your life. But if your focus is upon Jesus Christ and his second coming, you're going to live your life in a way that is going to be fruitful and faithful for the glory of Jesus Christ. So if your anticipation and your expectation is built on the lies of this world, you will remain disappointed, frustrated, and dissatisfied. About a week and a half ago, Malachi and I were having a conversation and he walked up to me, and uh, he said, man, I really want Santa to, to bring me a Hot Wheels garage or track. And I was like, well, man, that's, that's awesome, but you know, you've already sent your list. You know, it, you, you may not be able to get the Hot Wheels. And so he turns around, and he, I don't even remember what he said, but something along the lines of, Santa, I really want a Hot Wheels track. And he turns back and looks at me and he said, there, it's done. Like, I've, I've solved the problem. <laughs> so we've had to have a little talk with Santa, right, and, and make sure we get this Hot Wheels track. Look, we, we all know what it's like to anticipate something and be disappointed. Maybe you can remember a Christmas you wanted something and you didn't get it. Or you were anticipating a miracle and it didn't happen. Or you thought you might get a promotion and it didn't come. Right? If our hope is tied up into the things of this world and that's what we're living for, you will constantly remain disappointed, frustrated, and dissatisfied. But if your anticipation and your expectation is built upon Jesus, the Savior of sinners, his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his return, then you will find hope for tomorrow, strength for today, grace for your life, forgiveness for your sins, peace in the midst of chaos, and joy in every circumstance. The one that they were living in anticipation of, the expected one, he has come. And he is coming again. And so let us this Christmas season, in a world of so much darkness, let us shine the light of Christ. Because Jesus is coming again. Let me quote Kevin DeYoung one more time as I close. He says, More than a great teacher, more than an enlightened man, more than a worker of miracles, 
more than a source of meaning in life, more than a self-help guru, more than a self-esteem builder, more than a political liberator, more than a caring friend, more than a transformer of cultures, more than a purpose for the purposeless. Jesus is the Savior of sinners. That's who he is. And he stands ready to save you of your sins. But you must confess him. You must repent of your sins and take hold of Jesus. And if you have given your life to Jesus, the very same Jesus that saved you from your sins continues to save you of those sins. And he has reconciled you to God the Father. So you have hope and you have peace through the name of Jesus. Do you know him? Would you close your eyes and and bow your heads? I'm going to give you a moment right where you are just to, to respond to, to maybe a word that you heard in a song that was sung, maybe something Pastor BJ said in the Advent reading, maybe something from the sermon, something the Lord has just used to convict you, speak to your heart, encourage you. Just take a moment right where you are just to seek the face of the Lord. Maybe, maybe this morning you're in need of prayer. You need someone to pray for you about something. Would you just see Pastor BJ, Curtis, myself, your deacon, see somebody after the service and just say, hey, I've got this going on in my life. Would, would you pray for me? Maybe this morning you're burdened about a family member. You're burdened about a situation. Would you just take that to the, to the one who saves us from our sins? Maybe this morning you have never given your life to Jesus. And right now you, you sense something's going on. You sense something different. That's the Spirit of God working in your heart. The Spirit of God beginning to, to open your eyes to see the truth of the gospel for the first time. But if you don't know Jesus right now, would you just cry out, Lord Jesus, save me, a sinner. You came to save us from our sins. Jesus, I'm confessing for the first time that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I repent of my sins. I turn from my sins, and I'm turning to you Confessing you to be Savior, confessing you to be Lord of my life. If you prayed those words or something similar to those words, look, I believe that you, you're now saved. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. What I want you to do, I don't want you just to, to slip out of here and, and go home and about your day, but I want you to see me, see somebody and say, hey, I just asked Christ to be Lord and Savior of my life for the first time. Will you help me understand what that really looks like and what the next steps are? Take a moment and just pray, and then I'll close us in prayer. Father God, I love when you in your sovereignty and in your providence work things together even when it is unplanned. This morning we sang about Jesus Messiah, name above all names. The choir sung about the name of Jesus. And Father, we've just declared, we've been reminded 
that this child that we worship, this child that even unbelievers will sing about in songs and not even realize what they're proclaiming this Christmas season. But Father, we know who he is. His name is Jesus, and he came to save us from our sins. Jesus, you came to remove oppression, to eradicate injustice. You came to rule forever and ever and ever as the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. So Jesus, we pray that you would come, oh, come quickly, and establish that rule and that reign among your people. Until you come, Jesus, your people, we need to be faithful. So help us to keep our eyes where they need to be. Help us not to get distracted by the many wonderful blessings that come with this Christmas season. But help them not to distract us, but help them rather to cause us to be even more mindful of the reason we celebrate, the birth of Christ. And of course, we cannot think of the birth of Christ without also thinking about the death of Christ. Give us hope. Give us that peace that we so desperately long for. And may we be the lights that shine, actively participating in the kingdom of God for your glory and your honor. Let me ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have your bulletin. If you just want to open that, just a couple of things uh, to point out to you. Um, we got some opportunities for, for you to serve. Uh, if you want to donate some items to the Awana store, that needs to be given tonight. Uh, next Saturday, we have an opportunity to help wrap some gifts for Bridging the Gap. If you haven't returned that gift, please do so. And if you are going to help with Operation Christmas Child on December 12th, our time slot's 1 to 6. I need you to do a couple of things. One, I need you to fill out the waiver if you have not done that. And then secondly, you need to be looking for an email this week from Brian uh, with some details. We are not going to take the church bus. Uh, we just think it is probably safer for us not to get on that bus, because if for some reason we get there and one person does have a temperature, we're all going to have to turn around and come home because we've all been in a close, confined space. So Brian will give you some details about how we can maybe carpool and, and stuff. Trip, I just saw you walk up here, so I assume that you have something, brother. Do you need to come up here? Uh, she, she can if she wants to. You want to? Um, you don't really want to, but... Don't want to, but... But come on, you make me look better. Well, it, it's it's been a year with us, and it's been an in, interesting year, an up and down year, and uh, we just wanted to give you a few things. I got you um, just some stuff for your house, for your office. I think, but the their their favorite verses. And I think the verse here is very appropriate for this. Is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Um, just thank you for, for following the Lord's plan that, that brings you here. And so it's, it's always just tough to, to take a move, but you've been with us for a year. And it's been a tough year, but we just pray for you and for your service to continue. And thank you. what the Lord's going to do with you as we continue on. Awesome. So, thank awesome. You. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. 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 I'm trying not to cry, so you got to stop that right there. Um, man, I can't believe uh, it's been a year since uh, we walked in here uh, and found out the amazing news that I was going to get to be your pastor. And so it has been an incredible year. God is good. Amen. 
is so good, even in the midst of, of difficult times. And so we love you and are incredibly blessed to, uh, to be here. So thank you so much for your generosity. All right, our deacon of the week is Bill Morris. So if you will come, you guys are already standing, so if you'll just remain standing, um, Bill, if you'll close us with a word of prayer. Since you're standing, I've only got about a 20-minute benediction, but uh, <laughs> let's pray. God, thank you for another Sunday where we're able to get together and meet and worship you and pray for protection on this church and for the people in it. Pray that you equip us with everything good that we can do your will and please you. And I pray, Lord, that during this Christmas season as we go out in our normal business around friends and coworkers, that there is no doubt whom we serve, who our king is, in whom we put our trust. Thank you, Lord, for this Sunday, and we ask this in Jesus' name.